Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today. Amen. We are in the middle of our um, miracles. Matter of fact, this is the last sermon in our current sermon series entitled Miracles, God in Action. And the title of the message, message today is When Jesus Shows Up. Hasn't it been a special Sunday already as we've honored our first responders? Can we just say thank you one more time to all them that are gathered? Thank you for what you do. We appreciate it. You're our honored guests. Um, my older brother, his name is Clark, and he has served as a sheriff's deputy um, for over 10 years. And so I value what you do. Uh, we appreciate it as a community, and we know you don't hear thank you long or often enough and, and long enough. So we're glad to be able to do that. Our pastor, Pastor Josh, is actually at his dad's church this morning. 18 years ago, Liberty Baptist Church launched Pastor Josh and Miss Heather out to plant Southern Hills Church, which is where we're gathered here this morning. And they are celebrating 45 years today. And so our pastor is there to honor. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. Is there to honor the legacy that lives on and how the kingdom of God has been furthered. So this morning we're continuing our sermon series, Miracles God in Action. And um, I'm thankful to be with you. My name is Caleb. I've got two goals this morning. One is to finish up this sermon series. The second is to do it and to preach shorter than our pastor normally does so that you enjoy having me. And uh, it's a good service. It's already been a good service. And there have been a lot of things that have happened. So I'm thankful. I'm, I'm aware and appreciative of your commitment to be here uh, this morning. It's in this moment, last week, if, if you remember, there's this story that Luke writes about, and uh, we just uh, heard it and saw it. There's this story that Luke writes about how Jairus, this man, is coming to Jesus, and he's asking for healing from, for his daughter. And in that moment, Jesus turns and heals another woman with an issue of blood who's a daughter of the king. So as one daughter is being healed, we pick the story up in this moment where healing has come to one, but heartbreak is announced over the other. Luke 8, 49 says this, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. What a stark contrast that Luke paints for us in this passage. Can you imagine the wave of emotions that washes over Jairus in this moment? Disappointment, frustration, hurt, regret, sadness, maybe shock and disbelief, maybe numbness and anger. I don't know if you've lived life long enough to have ever been there before. Maybe not the same scenario, maybe not the same pronouncement over your life, but you've lived life long enough to be in that state of disbelief and that state of shock. Maybe you're in a season like that right now where you need a miracle for the relationship to go forward somehow, for you or your loved one's health because the doctor's report has come back and it's not good. 
Maybe for how your plans for life have just completely changed and you didn't see this season happening and you're here and you're like, all right, God, what are you gonna do? In a moment, Jairus is told that his daughter is dead and to not bother Jesus with it anymore. I can see him as he tries to process everything that was just told him. I can imagine as he turns his gaze towards Jesus and what was Jesus' response? This morning, I would like for us to observe three responses in this passage by Jesus and for Jairus. Three truths that will evidence themselves when Jesus shows up in your story. Three powerful proofs that you're positioned for the miracle that you need. The first truth is this, if you need a miracle, believe his word and not your fears. Look at what Luke 8:49 says. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead, do not trouble the teacher. Isn't it interesting that when fear shows up on the stage of our life, it's usually the loudest voice in the room. Isn't it interesting that when fear begins to speak over us and in us and through us and to us that we begin to think, yeah, I, I don't see a way out of this. Can you imagine all the questions and all the doubts and all the fear that's building in Jairus in this moment? He had come to Jesus so that Jesus could come to his house and heal his only daughter and now she was dead. Fear told him that she was gone forever. So there's no need to trouble Jesus any longer. Fear might've even told him that if the crowd had not been there, Jesus was on his way to heal her. And if the crowd had not been there, Jesus might've made it. Have you ever noticed that when fear is driving our emotions, we look for something to blame and not someone to believe in? It, it's human nature, right? Um, during the pandemic, our way of shopping kind of changed. I don't know if it did for you, but my wife is an excellent shopper, right? It's not just a... a um, something that she does, it's a skill that she has. Matter of fact, she doesn't call it shopping, she calls it procuring goods for our family. It is a skill set that she has. You think I'm joking. So our way of, of shopping and all that stuff changed during the pandemic. You couldn't be in person, and even if you went in person to maybe purchase some clothes or whatever, most of the dressing rooms, the fitting rooms were closed down. So my wife switched to doing most of our shopping online. Now we're on a first name basis with the Amazon delivery guy. You know what I mean? We give him a Christmas card, you know? Like he's always showing up at our house. And so this skill set that she has, she, she's developed and she's really become good at and she can find discounts and deals and all those things and she knows how to do this. I hadn't jumped on the train yet. I was a little bit late to the game. And um, matter of fact, during the summer, um, our pastor was on a sabbatical and so I was able to preach a couple times more. And what happened was my wife said, hey, babe, I know you just preached. And um, I, I, I came home and she said, hey, I'd like to maybe order you some new clothes. I found this men's you know, clothing website and all that. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. That's so kind. It's like Father's Day's coming up. My birthday's during the summer. And she said, well, I noticed when you were preaching that your shirts don't really fit you very much anymore. And so I thought, right, because the shoulders and the, the chest, I've been, that's not what she meant. She meant a different area. Okay. So she said, I, I really think it'd be a good thing if I, if I order you some new clothes. And so I said, babe, look, I love you. I trust you. Let's, let's check it out. We'll try a couple things. So we ordered a couple pairs of pants and, and a shirt and my birthday came. We ordered a couple things and they had a Labor Day sale. My wife's like, let me get you one or two more things. I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that's great. So just the other day we ordered something 
And when they came to deliver it, I, matter of fact, Friday, I was through some meetings. I was sitting at a Starbucks doing some meetings with our one-on-one discipleship. I love the exchange curriculum that we use with small circle. And I was sitting at a Starbucks and just walking people through some steps in their Christianity. And I, I love to be able to do that. And if you're not involved in that program yet, I encourage you, man, find out what it is to be discipled or to lead someone in that. So I'm walking through this. I get home and I walk in the front door and there, there's a small package there at the front door and I pick it up and I carry it in. It's got her name on it. I say, hey, babe, here you go. And she says, thanks. Did you grab your clothes that we just ordered? And I said, no, this was the only package there. And she said, well, I got an email that says it was delivered and that you signed for it. And I'm like, well, it wasn't me. And so I thought, well, maybe they just delivered it to the wrong door. Maybe it's someone. So I go back outside. I look on my neighbor's doors. You know, I kind of walk our little cul-de-sac and check a couple of the other doors and kind of look like behind, you know, sometimes they'll put it behind like something and couldn't find it anywhere. One of my neighbors was outside of their house. And so I was like, hey, did you, did you happen to see this package says it was delivered? They said I signed for it. And so my neighbor's like, oh, do you have a clone signing for you? I'm like, not helpful, you know? Uh, so I'm like, what, what's going on here? So I look and I check everywhere and I'm like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's happened. So immediately I begin thinking, some, somebody probably took this. Like somebody, maybe they signed for it. Maybe it was by accident. So I, 110 degree heat, I'm like knocking on my neighbor's door. Hi neighbor, how are you? Do you have my stuff? You know, and I'm like trying to figure this out. Where, where could this be? Nothing. Everyone that's answered is like, man, I'm sorry. No, you know, uh, we haven't seen it. It's not there. So I go back to the house and I'm like, babe, I don't, I don't know what happened to it. And in this moment, what a rational person does is a rational person says, I'm gonna reach out to the carrier or I'm gonna reach out to the provider, the person that sent this order and just tell them, hey, it looks like maybe the package was lost. So my wife being the rational one reaches out, sends a couple messages, sends an email, but I'm not in a rational state. I'm in an irrational state. So I'm like, I bet, I bet someone has my stuff. Tomorrow is trash day. I'm gonna go through and lift the lid on all my neighbor's trash cans. And I'm gonna see if they took my stuff out of there and it's in their trash. And my wife's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm telling you, this theory is like developing in my mind. Like, like surely, surely it's there. So I go to bed, wake up the next morning and we're sitting at breakfast. And I'm like, babe, I'm, I'm telling you, I just think maybe somebody pick it up. Maybe somebody took it. And she's like, babe, I love you. And you're 90%, you are glass half full. You're excited about life, all that. But when you go glass half empty, you go dark real quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, what is going on? And so I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. I can't find this anywhere. Where is this? And so we get in the truck. We're taking the kids to the park, having a little bit of a family day. And so we load everyone in the truck and we back out of our garage. And as we do, I had left the garage vented a little bit the day before. So some of the heat would escape and all that. And as we back out, there's the package way up under the truck, the Mail deliverer had been very kind to say, I don't want this to be stolen. I'll throw it into their garage. And it went so far up in my truck that we couldn't see it. So I got out of the truck and I grabbed the package. And I'm like, I told you nobody stole it, babe. It's here. It's right here. I know nobody took it, right? What, what was happening to me in that moment? In that moment, I allowed fear to be the loudest voice in the room of my thoughts. I allowed myself to think, oh man, surely something irreversible has happened. Surely no good will come of it. And maybe you're here this morning and that's exactly where you are. The voice of fear has resonated louder than anything else in your life. And you fear that your future is dark. You fear that something's gonna happen negatively or something has happened negatively and there's no way to turn back from it. But Jesus is here to tell you this morning that if you need a miracle, you can believe his word and not your fears because he promises that you have a purpose and a plan for your life and he's working all things together for good. 
Maybe you're here and you feel like your job or your career has, has tanked or taken a wrong turn, but God promises this morning that he can make a way when it seems like there is no way. You simply must believe his word and not your fears. Maybe you're here this morning and your family feels so far away, but God promises in his word that he will turn the hearts of the children to the hearts of the parents. You simply must believe his word and not your fears. Maybe you're here and you wonder if you'll ever find someone to truly, to truly know you, to truly love you, to truly receive you. And God promises that he loves you so much that he died for you. You simply must believe his word and not your fears. Maybe you're here this morning and your faith seems lost. Along the way, some doubts crept in and fear began to be the loudest voice in the room when it came to what you believe, your faith. But God promises this morning that he can breathe new life into your faith. You simply must believe his word and not your fears. Timothy Keller says this in his book, The Reason for God. A faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who go blithely through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. Believers should acknowledge and wrestle with doubts. It is no longer sufficient to hold beliefs just because you inherited them. I think about Jairus, I think about as he's walking back to his home and all the fear trying to speak over his life, the voice of his friends saying, your daughter is dead, don't trouble the master, don't trouble the teacher any longer. And maybe in this room this morning, you feel like, man, my life has been turned upside down and I, I just don't know if it's worth bothering Jesus this morning. Can I encourage you, if you need a miracle, believe his word and not your fears. Lamentations 3.21 says this, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. There is a God in heaven that loves you. Look at what Lamentations says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What can we learn from Jairus? We can learn this, that if you need a miracle, believe his word and not your fears. But what else can we learn from Jairus about when Jesus shows up? Secondly, we can learn this. If you need a miracle, trust his definition of reality and not the crowds. Trust his definition of reality and not the crowds. Look at what Luke goes on to show us, Luke 8, 51, when he came into the house, that's Jesus. He permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is dead, but not sleeping. Jesus, God of the universe, is stepping in, and he's about to declare and do something new. And look at their response. They ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside. While the first condition for a miracle is internal, the second is external. Jairus refused to listen to the voice of fear and instead chose to listen to Jesus. Now Jesus shows up and speaks an incredible word of encouragement to the people who have gathered to mourn this little girl. Rather than observing what might happen, they laugh. Why? Because they know their reality is this little girl is dead. The men who arrived from Jairus' home believed that death meant the end of Jesus' ability to heal Jairus' daughter. 
In this moment, they think, man, death, that's it. It's over. Death is the end. The story, the chapter, the book has been written. Nothing good can come from this. So they say, why trouble the teacher any further? The professional mourners laughed at Jesus when he said, the child is not dead, but sleeping. When all hope seems lost, when life goes from bad to dead, we need to see things not like the crowd, but like Jesus. Even death cannot contain or disrupt the purpose and provision of our savior. I want you to picture this for a moment. This daughter has passed. Jairus is distraught. He's choosing. I'm not gonna listen to the voice of fear. Instead, I'm gonna believe his word. Now he has a decision. Do I believe the reality as the world paints it or do I believe in Jesus? While everyone thought this daughter had passed into eternity, eternity himself in Jesus Christ was walking towards this daughter and it was about to do the impossible. A miracle was about to take place. Something was about to change. First Corinthians 15 says it this way, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the son of man, Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Now here's a good doctrinal deep truth right here. Christ, the first fruits, Christ was about to die and then defeat death and have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. We believe there is a significant, there is an actual point of resurrection and that comes when Christ returns. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all, all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till, his, till he has put all enemies under his feet. Here's a great truth. If you say, hey, I'm new to this, I'm learning. These are my first steps of faith. I don't know really what we're talking about here. Here it is. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. One day, the death that we experience in this life will be taken away. And resurrection and eternal life will be given. An eternal life with God. J. Dwight Pentecost says it this way in the words and works of Jesus Christ. For men, physical death is irreversible. But for God, it is only a state from which every individual will eventually awaken. Therefore, it can be referred to as sleep. A couple of years ago, there was a tragic loss of life for a two-year-old little girl. In the days that followed, the church that her parents were a part of and led at decided they were gonna try and raise her to life again. They broadcast this message and made national news and many people were earnest in their desire for a little girl to come back to life again. Perhaps you heard about it. Now, I'll, I wanna make two observations as we look at this. The first is this, I can't imagine to know what it's like to lose a two-year-old little girl. I can't imagine the grief, I can't imagine the pain that a parent walks through when they walk through that season. Maybe you're here this morning and you can. Maybe you've walked through a similar valley through losing a child or a loved one. And with all the gentleness that is the love of Christ, I would encourage you this morning that this is why theology matters. We believe in a resurrection. We believe in resurrection power, but it's not the power that reverses the pains of this life, but the power that allows us to overcome it in the next. There will be a day that we see our loved ones again, but in this lifetime, we experience death because when Jesus comes back, he will put an end to death and we will live forever. Never again will death raise its ugly head in your life because we will live forever with our creator and with our Lord, Jesus Christ. There is coming a day when Jesus will put his foot 
on the head of the serpent and crush it and say, death, you are dead. Where is your sting? Where is your power? And we will live forever and praise him forever. That day is coming. We can praise him and we can rejoice and we can be thankful and we can look forward to it. But until then, if we are alive at all, we are alive in Christ. As I researched this story, my wife came across one of the posts of this mother whose name is Callie. Now, I don't know her personally, but I thought these words that she wrote was a powerful testimony of hope that is the resurrection of Jesus in the next life. She says of her daughter, whose name was Olive, I am grateful that his, Jesus, are the strong shoulders that she now rides for piggybacks. He has carried us too. I love that the light of Jesus's face is what lights her world. That little girl who loved twinkle, twinkle, little star is now staring in the bright face of the morning star. His face has been the one healing me in the lack of seeing hers each morning. The resurrection power of Jesus scooped her up and delivered her home safely. And it's the same power that sustains us through impossible days without her, giving us hope against hope to live again. I love him more than ever, and I love her enough to let my heart shatter in a million pieces over her, my little alabaster. Your life and your death were not for nothing, Olive. Your life and death were not for nothing, Jesus. And our lives are not for nothing. So we continue to be caught up in our own victorious awakenings, We continue to take Jesus at his word in grief and fullness, in holy valleys and easy heights, in life and in death. I miss you terribly, my little olive. One day we'll start the song back up where we left off. Until then, twinkle, twinkle, my little star. Ah, yes. This is the resurrection power we speak of. That one day those who in this life we have lost, we will be rejoined with. We will see them again. And as we do and the heavens are open to us, whether it's by our passing from this life or when Jesus returns and we rise to meet him in the air, we will see our loved ones standing beside him. And we will know that we can trust his definition of reality and not the crowds. There is life beyond this one. And if Jesus chooses to heal someone we love by ushering them into life eternal, it is not a waste, but a win. There is hope. Romans 4.17 says this, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Maybe you're here this morning and you can look past the short time of this life to the one who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And you can place your hope and trust in him and you can say, Jesus, one day I will exist forever eternally with you. Until that day, make me your vessel. Until that day, I trust you. But against hope, in hope, I am believing. I like the song, What I See by Elevation Worship. It says, I see lightning, I hear thunder. Something stirring six feet under. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. Oh, I see signs and I see wonders. I see bursts of living color. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. One day, we will stand with our loved ones on that golden shore, as the old hymn says, and we will be rejoined. But until that day, we can trust the reality that is Jesus's. The eyes that are eternal and not just look on the temporal. What else do we learn from Jairus and Jesus? If you need a miracle, believe God's word. 
not your fears. If you need a miracle, trust his definition of reality and not the crowds. But lastly, if you need a miracle, rely on his timing, not your timing. Let me ask you a question. 12 years, is that a long time or a short time? For Jairus, it was far too short. He had his daughter for 12 years and then she was gone. For Jairus, 12 years was not long enough. But in the middle of this story, Jesus heals a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. For her, 12 years was a long time. 12 years was a long time to be in pain. 12 years was a long time to hurt. Friend, I don't know what season of life you're in. I don't know if for you this morning, the season that you're in feels like a long season and you're waiting for relief. You're waiting for salvation. You're waiting for something to change so your circumstances, so your situation changes. Maybe you're here this morning and a lifetime wouldn't be long enough. Maybe you've lost someone that you love and you feel like, man, I wish I had just had more time. The time I had was too short. Friend, God who never began to be but eternally exists does not measure time the way you and I do. Therefore, we can rely on his timing and not our own. Look at how the story ends, Luke 8, 54. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Psalm 1830 says this, they relied on the timing of Jesus and he came through. Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. My wife and I got married and spent our first seven years of marriage and ministry in Houston, Texas. And then we moved here and we're so excited to move here and start a new season of, of life for two reasons. One was my wife was pregnant with our firstborn son, Gatlin. And so we're excited to move here and become parents and start a, start a new journey. The second was my wife's family lives here in Las Vegas and has for 15 years. We would, you, we'd come visit Vegas. And when you visit Vegas, it's different. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm going to go downtown. I'm going to go to the strip. I'm going to see all this. When you live here, you're like, nah, fam, um, you're, you're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we didn't know that, that difference. And so we, uh, we were moving here and we we're excited. My wife's family's lived here. And so we we're excited for our kids to grow up knowing Papa and Nana living right here. My wife's parents are named Mike and Nancy Stansberry. They've attended here for, for years. A couple months ago at the beginning of the summer, matter of fact, when, they, when, they, when we moved here, my son, as he was growing and developing and all that, we'd go over to Nana's house. We loved going over to Nana's house. He loves going over to Nana's house. And we'd go over there and it was Easter time and Hershey's had just put out like the little, you know, Easter, the chocolate eggs. And so my son forever will call Hershey's kisses and those eggs, he calls them Nana eggs. So he shows up at her house and he's like, I want a Nana egg. And I'm like, son, those aren't Nana eggs. And then the season passes and the eggs go away and the actual Hershey, Hershey kisses come out. And I'm like, son, these are called Hershey kisses. He's like, uh-uh, they're Nana eggs for forever. Like, I'm like, dude, one day you're gonna grow up and go to a Walmart and be like, hey, I'll take some Nana eggs. And they're not gonna know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to help him. No, forever they're Nana eggs. So we love taking them over to Nana's. We love taking them over to Papa's. At the beginning of the summer, Nana, my wife's mom, Nancy, got some not so good news from the doctor. She had received a report and they ran tests, they did a procedure and they discovered that she has MMMT, which is a rare type of uterine cancer. Not only does she have it, but they believe it to be in stage four. You don't have to know a lot about cancer to know that that's not good. 
We sat around their kitchen table and we all cried and prayed and cried some more. Every person, every family handles that type of news differently. The morning after we had found that out, I woke up, I usually wake up about five, I woke up and noticed that my wife was no longer in bed. And so I got up and made my coffee and went to our front room where we read and, and spend some time praying. And as I joined her in the front room, I said, hey, how long have you been up? She said, I woke up at three and couldn't go back to sleep. And she had spent time praying and processing and reading God's word and just asking God to do something. For our family, with our kids so young, our son is three and a half, our daughter's one and a half, our prayer and our conversations with Nana and Papa were we want our kids to remember you. We want them to remember Nana. We want them to, to know you. And so we began praying with our church family at the beginning of the summer. Her doctors recommended that she undergo an intense round of radiation treatment. She did, and the effects were so strong on her that she was hospitalized for a week because she was so sick. Our church family and many of you in this room rallied around her and us and began bringing meals and helping in any way that you could. It was such an incredible blessing. And as of her last appointment, the radiation has had a positive effect on the tumor. It's completely flattened out, and they believe for right now that it's in remission. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. My father-in-law, I was talking with him this morning, and he wanted me to say a word. I'm like, is there anything you want to share with our church? And he said this. He said, Nancy and I would like to take this opportunity to thank our church family for their love and support through this process. Most importantly, the prayers and encouragement that we received in person and on social media. We also want to thank all the ladies involved with the wonderful meals that were prepared for our family. Those meals could rival any restaurant in town. Above all, we'd like to thank God for answered prayer and for giving us victory thus far. We ask for your continued prayers as the saga continues to unfold in our lives. See, the reality is this. At the beginning of the summer, as we were praying, as we were processing, we were saying this, God, no matter what happens, we're gonna trust your timing and not our own. And God has seen fit to give us a, a time during this season of extra time with Nana. And I'm so thankful for that. But no matter what happens, we know this, we can believe his word and not our fears. We can trust his version of reality and not the crowds. And we can rely on his timing and not our own. Perhaps you're here this morning and you need a breakthrough. You need an answer. You need something to happen, something to change. Can I encourage you to learn from Jesus and Jairus? Don't let fear cast the final vote. Sure, you'll have doubts, but believe his word over your doubts. Don't let this world define reality for you. View things from a heavenly perspective. And then don't become so obsessed with your timing. Instead, rely on his, because as Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Won't you let him do the same with your story this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace. There might be those in this room who have walked through a season of loss. Father, today I pray that they would know the hope of the resurrection is theirs. Because of Jesus, we will see you and we will see our loved ones again. Father, for those who are walking through a season and they just need to remember that our timing is not your timing and your timing is so much better. God, I pray that we would just trust you and your timing. For those who are tempted to listen to the voice of fear, God, I pray that the volume on the voice of fear this morning has been turned down a little bit in their life and the volume on belief and faith in Jesus Christ has been turned up. 
Lord, for all of us in this room this morning, we are looking for you to break through. We are thankful for who you are and what you do and what you can only do in our lives. And God, we're asking for it. We love you. Thank you for showing up in our stories. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.